0: this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Thanks again for listening to our sermon podcasts. We're continuing a sermon series about dreams, and so I'll talk about that in a moment. I'm going to read a passage from the book of Psalms. This is a little bit different than the other sermon you might be hearing about Um, dreams this week, but it's the same topic. Uh, And I was just really struck by this passage from uh, the Psalms, and I'll be quoting some other scriptures throughout this um, sermon too. So hear these words. This is Psalm 3, verses 1 through 6. Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So do you have anyone in your life who is able to sleep or nap at any time or any place? I've always been a little impressed by this. For example, for people who are able to sleep on planes, that has always seemed like almost wizardry to me to be able to do that. Because for me anyway, thinking about you're sitting up pretty straight. Um, If you do lean back, and of course that's a whole other debate about whether you should or shouldn't if someone is behind you. But if you do, even if you are leaning back, you're really not able to recline too much. And of course you might be sitting next to a stranger. All kinds of things are fighting against your ability to sleep or nap. So I've always been very impressed uh, with people who can sleep on planes. I think my dad is able to do this, to to sleep in places, especially sleeping, sitting up. Over the years, we have taken at least a few pictures of him and his ability to sleep while sitting, Uh, I'm going to show one picture in worship of him. We went to the Iowa State Fair. That's a tradition that we do every August. And we were taking a break, sitting on some rocking chairs. And it didn't take long before my dad was uh, taking a nice little snooze. And we have a picture of that that I might show in worship. But then, of course, I have to be careful because now I am at the point where I am able to do that too. And my children have gleefully taken pictures of me. In that state of uh, slumber. So, (laughs) I suppose I might deserve it for any photos that I have taken of my dad, but I am a firm believer in the uh, 10 minute post lunch power nap. Being able to sleep is a real gift, actually. And rest and sleep is something that I'm focusing on today because we are in this sermon series, as I noted, about dreams and how God may intercede and work within our dreams. And this is also in connection this month with Black History Month. So we are reflecting on all the ways God works through our dreams and also how God invites us to be dreamers, dreamers of grace, dreamers of liberation, dreamers of joy, and of course, dreamers of rest. It makes sense when talking about dreams to talk about sleep, which is a very underrated part of our faith and whether we know it or not is kind of in lots of different places in the scriptures. Now, when we talk about sleep and rest, that might go against a certain work ethic that you have, whether it be Midwestern or Protestant or your families may be known like somebody who's known to work hard. And that is a badge of honor that so many people like to put on themselves or have somebody put that badge on you or it's something that we all strive for. This person works hard. We elevate, we honor people who can sleep four hours a night and seemingly are working nonstop, constantly producing, producing, producing. But that seems to go against a little bit the fact that rest is very biblical. We see it in, for example, the Hebrew scriptures. It's right there in Exodus 20, the list of all the commandments. Number three goes, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sabbath is the English translation of the word Shabbat, which means rest. You know, it's interesting that other than the first commandment, this one, number three, about Sabbath, this one gets the most breakdown about why it's important. Let me read it to you. This is Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. I love that verse eleven. It is a constant, constant reminder to me in those moments when I feel like the world totally revolves about around my needs, and my expectations, and therefore I must keep on going and going. And a reminder that you know God also took the seventh day and rested. We see this also in the Gospels: rest and sleep. One of my favorite T-shirts, and I think I might have uh, posted this in a sermon I did a couple years ago. But there's a well-known T-shirt that says. Uh, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. And it quotes Mark four thirty-eight. This is a story uh, right before Jesus walks on water. You may know that story, but verse uh, or chapter Mark 4, 38 says this, But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? For so many years, I read that passage and was just thought focused mainly on the miracle of Jesus walking on water. But a friend of mine once pointed out, you know, the thing to me that seems pretty remarkable is in the midst of this chaos, Jesus is taking a nap. And of course, we see rest and sleep in the psalm that I just read, Psalm 3. So as we take another look at this psalm once again, the beginning part of the psalm anyway, we read the first couple of verses, the psalmist is noting that there are many who are against him. The word many pops up three times in the first two verses. How many of you have had that feeling? where it seems like the world is against you. The world is saying there is no help for you anywhere, especially not in God. But the psalmist continues, there is an acknowledgement that God Is a shield. God is indeed protection. So the psalmist cries out for help and God answers. And yet, this is another key part of our faith, I think, that we sometimes overlook that notion of crying out, naming our desires. What is it that we so want in our hearts? In this case, the psalmist cries aloud and there is an answer. And one of the first answers perhaps one might say is this, verse 5, I lie down and sleep. This is gift, perhaps God giving rest, God giving sustenance. And then in verse 6, after receiving this rest, after receiving this sustenance, the psalmist can say, I am not afraid, perhaps because of being able to have that rest. So despite the many examples of rest, of dreams, of sleep, it is still countercultural. Even in the church, to talk about this, to talk about rest, to talk about sleep, or even to lift it up as an example. How many people of faith that you know, people that we honor, people that we uh, look up to, said that is a real pillar of strength for the church. And how many times has that person said, friends, I owe it all to naps I owe it all to making sure I get enough sleep. Nobody does that. It's constant. Go, go, go. That's true in our capitalistic society. It's certainly true in the church. I have been so very guilty over the years of certainly demanding a lot for myself. Like We constantly have to be out there doing, 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 proclaiming, helping, serving. And then perhaps that rubs off when I might not be sensitive to what others are going through. And I ask them to go, go, go. The church needs you. Well, one person who's trying to change this is a theologian and writer named Tricia Hersey. She is also uh, known as the Knapp Bishop. I re- recommend her Instagram uh, profile, which is called the Knapp Ministry. It's at the Knapp Ministry. She's called the Knapp, Minist- Knapp Bishop. And so she's really done a lot of work over the years exploring this whole notion of about what it means to rest, particularly for black women. In her Instagram uh, profile, she says, we examine the liberating power of naps. We believe rest is a form of resistance and reparations. This is a pretty common theme in our society, which tells us over and over again to produce and to consume, to stop and to rest is a form of resistance. In reading a few things, including this article in the Atlanta Magazine about Trisha Hersey, it says that whenever she has a gathering, which sometimes called a nap talk, she opens each event with a meditation. And then there's an hour of napping. She leads the group in what she calls a nap talk. And so people there share discoveries unearthed during their rest. And she said, normally, at least one person sheds tears. And she says this, I really feel like we are deprogramming people. We're pushing back against these systems telling us we should feel guilty for laying down and taking a nap. Sleep is such a vulnerable place, and I believe that when you rest, it is a healing portal. You have space to talk, vent, hope, and dream. You can work things out you can't work out when you're awake. So in reflecting on these uh, scripture passages and also on the work that Trisha Hersey is doing, a couple of things came to mind for me in, the fr- in wanting to convey to you is the first is this, to encourage all of you to think about yourself. How are you resting? I know COVID has made such a challenge of this, so hard to get rest. I was reading an article about that hour of 3 a.m., which seems to be a time when people wake up and it seems like all the weight of the world is on you, not just with COVID, but all the political situations, what's going on in the world, and it's impossible to rest. And maybe we spend so much time inside in our homes, the last thing we want to do is to spend more time. But I think it's important for us to really think about it and ask ourselves the question, what gets in the way of me resting? What gets in the way of me truly having Sabbath? And we can list all kinds of things. You might, I encourage you to think about yourself. What are the demands, the anxieties, the stresses? Are you placing an expectation on yourself that everything depends on you? Is it a need for consumption? Any of these things, perhaps, that gets in the way of rest. And I wish... I could give everyone a magic formula for you to be able to put away these things. But I think naming it, hopefully at least acknowledging and carving out time for us where we are beginning to say no to the expectations of the world and placing a high priority, I need rest. Jesus napped, so I must as well. The second question I want for us to consider is when it comes to resting and sleep is how are you making possible for someone else to rest? What demands, anxieties, stresses are you putting on somebody else wherein they might not be able to rest themselves? As I noted earlier in this sermon series, we were also incorporating this into talking about Black History Month. So in this instant this week, I've been thinking a lot about Black women. And asking myself the question, what am I doing to help black women rest? There are all kinds of statistics that may point out why it is hard for black women to rest. According to the U.S. Census, black women were paid 63% of what non-Hispanic white men were paid in 2019. Black women experienced physical violence more than white women, Latinas, Asian, Pacific Islander women. Almost half of black households with children are headed by single women, so they must face the issues of childcare, virtual schooling all on their own. Black women report spending three times as many hours per week caring for elderly or sick relatives. So this week I asked myself that question what am I doing to help black women rest? And so I asked about 10 black women that I know. And I sent them an email and just explained to them what the sermon was about. And I really wanted to know, how can I, how can the church help you rest? And the responses I got, I wish I could spend all of my sermons just reading these responses. But I want to read a few of the things that they said. This is from a woman named Vania. Vania goes to our Hyde Park Woodlawn site at Urban Village. And she said this, I am tired I have the added identities of being a single mother, full time employee, empty nester, student, sister, and the list goes on. I know that I don't have to give so much of myself to others, but when I don't, it's hard to find someone to pick up the slack. It's not because my family and friends don't want to, it's because this world isn't designed to be community centered. Accepting help comes with thoughts of being a burden and neediness. As black women, we also carry the hopes, struggles, and pains of everyone's children. We pray and cry for those who aren't born to us, but still belong to us. It is a heavy and beautiful package that strains our bodies, minds, and souls. Terry said a few things. Terry used to be part of our South Loop site and uh, moved back to her home country of Canada, When I asked, what are things that we can do? And she said a couple of things. She said, create a safe place to listen and empathize. Black people can find safe spaces within their own communities. But I think there is a special feeling when we can share outside of our communities, for example, to a white person, particularly a white man, given the typical power imbalance. I think this would be very cathartic. She said, 95% of my bosses have been white men. And honestly, I have never had any of them ever ask me how my day was. I suspect most of them wouldn't know three things about my personal life. Julie, also who was part of our South Loop site, named many of the things that uh, Terry said, but she also said, Many of the things that Julie recommends are free, but for instances when someone can afford to go over and beyond to make the black women in their lives rest, a husband or partner can send her on an overnight or weekend stay at a very nice hotel. A good friend can give her a gift certificate for a mani-pedi and massage, but make sure she uses it on herself and not stick it in a drawer or give it to someone else because we are known for doing that. Take your black woman friend or employee out for a nice dinner or movie or museum walk or walk in the park for no reason at all. Again, there was just so much richness. If you follow me on Facebook, I think this week I'm going to be posting a lot of what they said, so you can read it in their entirety. But so many of these things made me think what am I doing, not only for my own rest? How am I keeping Sabbath? But what am I doing to help someone else rest? Particularly, I think it's important for me anyway this week to think about how can I help the black women in my life rest? What can I do for them to create that space? And that's been helpful. There's been a lot of talk in in our society about self-care and making sure we're getting rest, all of that. And I do my best to keep Sabbath too. Some of you know, Monday's my day off. So I try really hard to, I'm not on, I don't check email. I don't answer texts. I'm not on social media at all. But I don't ask myself the question, how am I helping others get rest too? It's hard. Friends, we live in a society that pushes against rest and sleep. We honor people who produce, who buy, who make, who succeed in all of these ways. So I guess my question to you is when we dream, perhaps how can we dream so that we are also getting sleep and also getting rest? How can you rest? I hope that can be something that you place high priority on and find the different ways that you might be able to do that. And then also ask yourself the question, how can you help someone else rest as well? I hope, friends, that you begin to think about these things, reflect on them, so that you might be like Jesus and nap and sleep in a boat, sitting up on a plane, wherever it is, But it's important for us. It's resistance. And it allows for us to be able to truly live out what God has called us to do and how we are called to be. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this sermon podcast. If you live in the Chicago area, I hope you'll check out one of our sites. Uh, you can go to urbanvillagechurch.org to find out about where they are. I'm at our UVC West site out in River Forest in the near western suburbs. You can also listen to different uh, sermon podcasts each week on our Podbean page. So I hope that you can do that too. If you can't, uh, aren't around in Chicago, then I hope you can check us out online. We're really trying hard to develop an online community. So every Sunday morning at 1030, we're on YouTube and Facebook. So I hope you can check us out there too. And so, friends, until the next time we are together, may the peace of Christ be with you.